Hey, what's going on, Internet? Welcome to another episode of Pop Culture Over Pizza. Uh, we're back this week to discuss all things geeky, comics, Marvel, Star Wars, and whatever else we fancy to decide to discuss this week. I'm here with my normal hosts. Uh, Walt, what's going on? What's up, peeps? Joining us again is Elias. What's Gucci, fam? Gucci, Gucci. What's going on? ASAP Balrog returns. Back from the pits of Mordor. Yeah, baby. Those gentrified pits of Mordor, as you put That's it earlier. Right. <laughs> and my buddy, Metatron. Good evening, Internet. How do you do? What's going on, y'all? Just to give you a little bit of a quick reminder, you can find us on Twitter at PCOP Podcast. That's Pop Culture Over Pizza at PCOP Podcast on Twitter. As usual, we're going to start out uh, our podcast this week with what we've been geeking out over uh, for the last week or so. One of the things that I've been geeking out over that we shall discuss later is Daredevil Season 3. I'll do a little bit of a spoiler-free uh, impressions review, if you will, for that later. Um, but the thing that I've been geeking out of over this week is musical. I've actually been really enjoying the A Star is Born soundtrack. It's, uh, yeah, it surprises me too. Whoa. So I started listening to that. Okay. Uh, because a couple of people I know have seen the movie, which apparently is supposed to sweep the Oscars and all that good stuff. But I started listening to it, and I'll say this much. I'm really enjoying it. I'm surprised that Bradley Cooper can sing, and he can. And I knew Lady Gaga could, but just as a brief kind of, I guess, impression of how I felt about her. I never liked her too much, because even though I knew she, she she could sing, I think all of her music, to me, personally, is a little too overproduced. It's about, you know, the the, the crazy sound effects and... and like the pup pup poker face, pup pup poker face, instead of like letting your voice shine. And the this album uh, that she's written, all the music for the movie, is very minimal. It's just like pianos and guitars, and it's got a little bit of a country rock feel. Um, it's obviously very romantic songs and stuff like that too, because it's A Star Is Born and Bradley Cooper and uh, Lady Gaga are totally hooking up. But I've actually really enjoyed it. I'm surprised by how good it is. And I have been geeking out about that a little bit in terms of pop culture for the past week. What about you, gentlemen? Walt, what about you? Well, I've been geeking out over a Netflix miniseries called Maniac. Um, it stars Emma Stone, Jonah Hill, Justin Theroux in an unrecognizable role, and Sally Field. And um, this is based off a, Nor a Norwegian television series by the same name. And let me just tell you something. This show, which is about 10 episodes, is about as bonkers as you can get. Um, the show has an underlying uh, thing where the main character, Jonah Hill, is um, he's basically trying to protect his brother for the, for the family because the brother has been implicated in a sexual harassment case. And Jonah Hill, he's a schizophrenic. He, the, the kid's yeah. crazy. So a little and, bit of it. Yeah, mm -hmm. and it's really crazy once you get into it um and so he he ends up going and he ends up going into this drug trial where they said they're going to help him and they give him drugs they put him into like this uh, machine that enhances his dreams and his subconscious oh, <laughs> and so there's other people with them including emma stone justin throw is the main scientist that created this thing and one of one of the things is that one of the scientists gives the computer that oversees this thing emotions. And then from that point on, the show goes totally bonkers. We're talking about <laughs> elves. We're talking about gangsters. We're talking about magicians. It's completely crazy. It's worth a look. 
Um, just know that you're going to be in some very interesting territory when you watch this show. <laughs> I heard it was pretty good, yeah. And like I said, I started watching the first few minutes of it. So I'm definitely going to check that out with your current approval because I like all that kind of trippy stuff sometimes too, that kind of mind-bending stuff. What about you, Meta? What's your geek out this week? Well, as you guys know, I'm a Supernatural fan. So Yay. it's going to be Supernatural again. Sorry. So <laughs> recapping... First of all, the episode prior to the one that just came out, Gods and Monsters, I loved it. I like where they were going with this new character that's been floating, or should I say flying, around. But then they pulled something that just... They they uh, just, they did what I expected them to do, to do this, but I, I just didn't think they'd do it. I think... Why not let this character thrive? We want to see more of these types of characters. But no, it's not happening. At least not for now. My my theory is they're pulling a Trojan horse. Because hmm. it's, a, it's a possession-related case. But yeah, because the guy that, um, that that's, the, that's the focus, that's been the focus for the past few episodes, he's gone for now. And hmm. it just, I was so upset because... Um, Jensen Ackles, the person who's playing this character, he does so well. But in Supernatural, is anybody truly gone? No, it's not. It's <laughs> not that he's gone. My problem is they didn't let this character sit enough. Like ah, focus, so, like focus yes. on him enough. And they they had the same problem in season. Uh, what was it? Ten. They introduced an interesting take on another character. But what do they do? He's gone in like the first three episodes. <laughs> I want to see more of these spinoff characters, not get them like complete. Well, I don't think he's resolved. Like I said, I think this is a Trojan horse case, but just uh, it has me livid. That's all I'm going to say about just that. Removing him from the narrative for now. And that's kind of the pain. Yes. I guess that, that, it's, it's just such, it's so predictable of them. And I'm so angry. God. <laughs> I haven't seen you this angry in a while. There's right. passion. Yeah, we need to calm you down. Passion and supernatural. <laughs> Put some water on this kid over here. Um, He's been really upset. Holy water. Let's, let's go. Get the now. water spritzer. <laughs> Get it quick. All right. What about you, ASAP? What you been doing? Geeking out. Well, I've been geeking out mostly over sports lately, um, specifically in basketball. Woo. So for all of you who haven't heard yet, the Sorry. I had a, I put, <laughs> I put up a quick slice recently. <laughs> On the Sixers Bucks game, right, and that game was just purely awesome. I I really enjoyed that game a mm -hmm. lot, and I started paying attention to this one play in particular by the name of Giannis Antetokounmpo. I hope I'm you know we'll give you, right we'll give you county points for that. <laughs> like Antetokounmpo or something like Antetokounmpo. I'm still working on pronouncing his go, name. Right. Go I think I said it right. Go with his nickname. <laughs> yeah, he's known as the Greek Freak. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Move aside, Kratos. that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the Greek freak, he's the first player since Wilt Chamberlain to start off the season with four straight 25-point, 15-rebound performances. Oh, wow. This that's, guy accomplished an incredible impressive. freak. Yeah, he, he accomplished an incredible that's four freak. four straight double-doubles, yeah, right? That's right, yeah. yeah. Right off the bat. Yeah, since Wilt Chamberlain, who played in 1960, from 1964 to 65 <laughs> as a did. sixer. Doesn't he, the, the, doesn't he have like 10,000 points or something like that? The highest scoring player in all of basketball history or something, I believe? Yeah, I'm something like that. It might have been 10,000. Well, it might have been 10,000 something else, but that's a little bit too R-rated for this particular podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, but like I said in my quick slice um, earlier this week, 
I see Antetokounmpo, the Greek freak, mm -hmm. as a potential MVP of the season. That's very this, impressive. This guy's really good. This guy's top notch. What's Competing his... like almost on the likes of LeBron, Harden. And he plays the forward position yeah. also, right? He does. So six eleven. Yep. That's a big man. That's a good he size is. for that. And position. he's young. He's mm. young. Mm. Yeah. He's a youngin. And um, yeah, this guy he has a lot of potential. I I, I saw him as player of the night of that night um, for sure. And like I said, potential MVP of the season. And putting that aside, another thing I've been geeking out over a lot. Um, it was in boxing. Mm -hmm. Um, famous boxer Manny Pacquiao, who's also a politician. He, Many other things. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Among other things, right? Really right. <laughs> he um. He signed with Al Heyman, an American boxing promoter. Basically, his goal is to bring his his boxing career to a close in the United States. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah. I thought he would do it in the Philippines since he's he's so big over there. Well, probably. Yeah. But the thing is, the reason he signed with Al Heyman is because he wants more screen time, so to speak, okay. in the U.S. And he wants, more importantly, to bring fighters from Asia to the U.S., Okay. That wouldn't so be that's a bad what, thing. Yeah, so that's why he's promoting them and partnering with Al Heyman to put them, you know, yeah. on on TV. That makes sense. Like 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 um, we mentioned earlier, Pacquiao kind of popularized like those uh, you know boxers from like the Pacific region or from Asia that are right. like really popular now. So why not bring some of the best talents that he can see from the Philippines and elsewhere? to the U.S. to become big superstars as well. Yeah, know? and to see this on, like, the yeah. regular, like, TV channels like Fox, FS1. Right. It would be great. So that, that would actually help revive boxing. You right. You know what I mean? And then you could talk a little bit more about right. the other reason that boxing is kind of going down later. But, mm -hmm. yeah. But I'll yeah, be doing a quick slice on that um in the near future, possibly sometime this week. <laughs> 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 but, yeah, that's um that's um just about what I've been geeking over this week. Moving on to Elias over here. Young Elias. So... If you or your family or your friends are gamers, then they should know what Fortnite is. So there was this new update called Fortnite Mares, which I've really been geeking out about. What's it called? And Fortnite what? Fortnite Mares. Mares? Or Mirrors? Uh, Fortnite Mares. Like Nightmares. Fortnite Mares. Oh, okay. Nightmares. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Just in time for Halloween, right? Yeah, exactly. That <laughs> sounds pretty cool. And, like, the new skins, their weapons, it's, like, so awesome because it's, like, their weapons can like headshot, like. What? What kind of weapons? What kind of weapons? Halloween weapons, like uh. Halloween weapons. Like um, let's see. It's like there's this rocket launcher that has a jack o' lantern head on it and it can <laughs> do a lot of damage. So, <laughs> so they're Halloween themed weapons. Yeah. That sounds pretty cool. Pretty dope. So you can do like headshots with all with uh with a, like a jack o' lantern or a pumpkin or something like that. Is yeah. that what we're talking about? Yeah, and. <laughs> But I was really disappointed with the dead fire costume because, like, they overhyped it. It was it was supposed to be a really good character, but the, the costume I, I'm sorry, but it wasn't really that great. So yeah. Yeah, they could have done better with it, right? Yeah. So what does exactly. that? What does the costume look like? Um, it's like this cowboy. It's part of a western wild set, so oh. it's related to calamity, which. If you played Fortnite and you have the season six battle pass, then Calamity, you should know that Calamity is part of the battle pass, like I said. And like, yeah, she has um, a lot of different tiers. If you get to tier 100, then you get the most coolest looking costume. And yeah. And that's one of them? Yeah. 
Well, I mean, I know a lot of our, our listeners probably play Fortnite, so I'm assuming that most of them would know that what you're talking about, even though I'm not entirely sure. But that and, sounds pretty cool. And this is also with Deadfire, even though I don't really like the costume, I've I think I heard somewhere that Deadfire is one of the first costumes, or m- maybe not, but I think it's one of the first costumes to change styles during a, a match. Oh, really? Oh, that sounds like a chameleon type of thing where yeah. it changes. But I'm not sure. I'm not too sure, but I I think I heard somewhere that if it get if he gets harmed, mm-hmm. then his color will change. Hmm, interesting. I'm not too sure though. Things what a chameleon does in real life. I think they change their colors based on their emotional state and not based on their background. Most yeah. people think that that's the case. That's a little bit of an aside, but it sounds like a pretty cool geek out for the week. I mean, everybody loves Fortnite. So that's what we've been geeking out, I guess, about over the week so far. So we're going to jump right into our news segments of the week. To start it off, Mr. ASAP is going to give us a little bit of fashion news for the week. What's up, guys? So I'm going back to fashion over here, you know. Pop culture incomplete without fashion, right? So for today's topic, it's going to be somewhat serious with fashion. It's going to be with genderless fashion by Louis Vuitton. They're doing something for the spring summer 2019 collection, and basically they want to they want to exemplify how both genders or you know multiple genders, let's just say, can depending on your perspective, right? Mm-hmm. Can um, wear the same clothing. Okay. Which basically is unisex. Like the, and I'm actually fine with that in a sense because I, I've already seen people like wearing the same type of clothing, even the same type of shoes and whatnot. Yeah. So it's nothing really new. But only now are they taking it seriously because of you know what's going on and you know from yeah the way the, the political are uh, fluid will say right uh, without getting too deep into it. spectrum exactly. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I <laughs> to be honest, like you see, what is it, the the male jumpers that that were kind of in fashion since last year? Yeah, um, and just as an aside, I that's mean, really I have, becoming a thing, though. That's I, the, you know, yeah, I mean, the it's it's becoming more mainstream, definitely, because exactly. I even have friends who are like kind of the same size and they just share each other's jeans. Basically, they're married and they wear the same clothes. But right, that, that, yeah, that's like a big new trend. So unisex fashion has always been a thing, but only now are they really taking it seriously, especially for next year, spring mm-hmm. summer um, nineteen collection. Because they really want to show how, you know, multiple genders can wear the same clothing. And there's nothing wrong with it at all. No. So, like, for example, we have this picture agree. right here. I just don't disagree, I should say. I'm sh- I know all of our listeners can't see it, obviously. But basically, you see a male and a female wearing the exact same outfit. Mm-hmm. Literally the exact same outfit. And there's nothing wrong with it. So, right, it's like a pair of jeans and, like, it looks like they're wearing some gray hoodies. Yeah. And I, see I don't know if there's it. a white t-shirt underneath that or anything like that. But that's just, like, a neutral, comfortable outfit. What's, what exactly. would be wrong with that, with being comfortable? Yeah, you know exactly. what I mean? <laughs> so I see nothing wrong with genderless fashion at all. I'm totally in favor of Louis V doing this for next year, for the next um, seasonal collection. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much it for this week's fashion news. I just wanted to get that out of the way because genderless fashion is actually a very serious thing. Mm-hmm. I take unisex um, you know, fashion quite seriously, actually. It's good that it's inclusive. I exactly. definitely agree with that. And those outfits yeah. look pretty good. I and mean, you, again, comfort. Too. In regards to fashion, you don't want to make anyone feel out of place. You know, Everyone has their own style, right? Yeah, yep, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So if someone wants to wear this type of clothing, you can't just judge them you know, on a certain way just because of what they're wearing. Right, exactly. You know what I'm That's how people tend to be these days, which is why this kind of fashion is great because that sends the message that like, hey, people can just wear whatever clothes they want. Exactly. Which so, is good. Yeah. So exactly. So in kudos, um, in closing to this, kudos to Louis V for 
really going on this. And um, moving on to sports news, I want to cover something that's very important as well. Um, tonight, well, first of all, today is October 27, 2018. Today, unfortunately for a lot of boxing fans out there, this is, tonight is the last broadcast for HBO Boxing, October 27. We're going to see um, Danny Jacobs fight, um, what's his name, Sergei Derev Yanchenko. I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. <laughs> I'm pronouncing it in syllables, people. You're, you're picking all the hard names today, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, right. Yeah, a great gold freak. star for effort. <laughs> the Revianchenko. Yeah, the Revianchenko. That guy. So, there you go. So Danny Jacobs is fighting that guy, <laughs> and um, <laughs> the Khabib. No one knows how to pronounce his last name. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be the main event tonight for HBO Boxing's last broadcast, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And then one of their undercard fights is Heather Hardy versus Shelly Vincent. This is actually big for boxing because. Um, female fights are rarely televised, unfortunately, and um, I believe it's only Heather Hardy's fight that's been televised once, and that was like back in 2016, I believe, and this is her second fight. There's actually a rematch tonight against the same opponent, and it's going to be televised, so this is the only female fight that's going to be televised again, you know? Unfortunately, you know, for boxing, not a lot of female fights are televised, and which is unfortunate because there's a lot of good female fighters out there. There really are. You know? There really are. And you know? um, they're not especially they're from not other getting, countries. Yeah, absolutely. And they're not getting the the limelight that they should. They work just as hard as the guys. And and some of their fights are probably you can you can even say some of their fights are even better than the guys. You know, they True. really want it. It's they're very really arguable. Trying, they're really yeah. trying to get out there. So you see them working hard. Why not put them on TV? Right. And, you know, I think it's interesting to, to, that you mentioned that also because if you look at sort of uh, sports entertainment when it comes to WWE and you look at uh, MMA, those two sports have really tried to push female either wrestlers or MMA fighters over the last decade or so. And they've really exploded. Well, wrestling has always been popular. But, like, MMA especially has exploded in popularity over the last decade. Some might say that that cut into boxing's popularity a lot. But if you look at boxing where they're – and, I, you know, I'm not as much of a boxing fan as you. So this is a, a, a very layman's opinion. But boxing, in a sense, kind of, seems to be kind of stuck in a dark ages. The sport in general – the way it's broadcast, being on HBO for what forty five years. I mean, there's more like streaming that, services right? now. That's something besides that's popping HBO up. HBO and show, show, Showtime right. boxing. But is that more of a, a recent development in boxing over the last few years? Like three years ago, two thousand thirteen. That's kind of why I have that feeling. You know, what so I mean? it's again, still development right. as a layman more so. But boxing is just starting to catch up to these huge media empires that wrestling already was, and that MMA has become with fighters like Ronda Rousey and like you know. WWE has a million different deals. Yeah, and I find it quite ironic, you know? actually, because, you know, boxing supposedly offers, when it comes to fighters, it offers the greatest fight purses, right? Like, yeah. the biggest prize fights are actually in boxing, and yet they're yeah. not televising, you know, certain fighters, mm -hmm. you know? There's a lot of bureaucracy in boxing. That's the problem. That's the way I see it. That's what keeps it stuck. There's guess, a lot. Right? It's the politics behind the sport. It's not even the sport itself. It's the stuff behind it, you know, mm -hmm. that's dragging it and down and bring it down and whatnot. Like, for example, I don't know if you guys heard... But in the next Summer Olympics in 2020, mm -hmm. supposedly there may not be boxing. I heard about that. I think you mentioned that actually to us a few months ago. Right. And that's very that's disappointing, crazy. especially for a lot of top-notch um, amateur fighters here in the U.S., you know, who want to go to Tokyo in 2020. They can't go because of some corruption going in in, in Aiba. Aiba is the International Boxing Association mm -hmm. for Amateurs, mm -hmm. right? There's a lot of corruption going down, so they had to clean it up from the top down. 
It's a shame. It That's really terrible. is. So imagine all these talents over here in the U.S. who can't make it, you know, just because of that. It's ridiculous. They get, and, like, kind of, like, pushed out of the sport, in a sense. Yeah. And then the going back to the female boxers, you know, mm -hmm. I can't get mad at them for, like, going to, you know, other, you know, MMA, um, MMA, like, from yeah, arts and whatnot. Other avenues for them to go to. It's, and it's all being, finances, you know. Yeah, they're being pushed out of boxing. So... And it's not that they want to, it's, you know, they're forced to. Mm -hmm. And it's very unfortunate. But yeah, folks, tonight is, unfortunately, HBO Boxing's last major broadcast. They're basically cleaning up for 2018. After 45 years, they started back in 1973. And uh, it's been a long road, you know, almost five decades. It's kind of a shame that that's being lost. But, you know, maybe because of the way that it works and maybe because of these new streaming services popping up, it'll actually be good for the sport of boxing to not monopolize it and have it, even though obviously boxing is in different pay-per-view venues and mm -hmm. other places, to have it monopolized on HBO might have not been the best thing for boxing over the past couple of decades. It might have just created more of that bureaucracy you're talking about. Right. I will most like, I will most definitely, and most like most definitely, do a quick slice on this um, later on this week. Um, I know I say cover, you know, all things Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, basketball, hip-hop, and fashion-related but boxing is also a major passion of mine. You know, I actually grew up doing it. So I'm going to cover that as mm -hmm. well. So when it comes to sports, you know, you got me for NBA and boxing. Yeah. And, you know, if you want NFL and UFC, you got Walt for that. Hey, and I don't know if anyone has MLB over here. I got the baseball for you. <laughs> there you go. Screw the Red Sox. I'm, I'm going to leave it at this, folks. I'm going to leave it at, yeah, I'm going to leave it at this, folks. For all of you who are listening, whether or not you're into sports, and if you are and are into, like, you know, the combative arts such as boxing, UFC, I'm going to leave it at this. Boxing is not dead. Boxing is, is in a state of survival right now. It's pushing the boundaries against other, you know, mixed martial arts platforms. It's opening a lot of streaming services. You know, you got Premier Boxing Champions by Al Heyman and, you know, even Floyd Mayweather. They're keeping the sport alive, even though there's a lot of mumbo jumbo and BS behind the sport going on. They're really cleaning up from the top down, and you have to give it a chance. Even if you love, you know, UFC a lot and whatnot, I respect that. I really do. I'm even intrigued by the sport itself. But give boxing a chance. Don't say, don't be ignorant and say it's dead. There's a lot to enjoy in boxing. Just, Definitely. just explore the sport, and that goes with anything in life. Explore it before you judge it, and you know, say, oh, this sucks. It's dead. You know, and you know, whatnot. I may not enjoy Assassin's Creed or Call of Duty anymore. I may say those are dead, but. That's just my opinion. To other people, that's not the case, you know? And I can't just judge it off top, say, saying, you know, all this and that. Mm -hmm. I have to explore it first on my own. But that's it for fashion and sports, guys. I'm going to leave it to Jose now. I will say one thing. I'm going to miss Harold Leatherman. Oh, yeah. Back Jim. to you, Jim. <laughs> I, will, sure. I will miss him because he was he – was, uh, he was he was singular in in that sport, you know. Jim Lampley. Eh. <laughs> you know, but, I'll, I'll say as sort of my final thought. I definitely agree with you. Boxing is not a dying sport. Um, like I said, it, it kind of fits with my opinion that there's just a lot going on behind the scenes that kind of holds it back. I guess that's what I meant earlier because obviously boxing, the combative sport, doesn't really change. It changes in certain small ways over the years. You know, boxers can change the style of the sport. Boxers can be like a Mayweather and change how things are promoted. Um, but at the same time, if you really think about it, boxing is kind of the granddaddy of pay-per-view events. That's kind of where it all started. Boxing is what invented these huge spectacles 
of being of sitting around on a Saturday or a Sunday and watching an MMA fight or a WWE, you know, like World Rumble or if whatever you think else. About it, right? it started boxing, with boxing. Boxing is really what started it all. You think back to the greats like the Muhammad Ali's and you know the, the Frasers and whoever else you can think of. The Holy that. Fields. The Holy Fields, even the more recent boxing legends. I know Walt loves Holyfield. Holyfield was one of my favorites. Yeah, you know what I mean. So that's definitely something that. That's very interesting that HBO is finally ending that relationship with boxing, but I'm of your same mindset. I think this could end up being a good thing, right. and boxing can really see a resurgence over the next few years. We'll yeah. see. And, and I think, um, you know, just going back to his point with the, the streaming service, there's a, a particular streaming service we were talking about that the zone, D A Z N. Um, actually, I never heard of that. Walt here over here yeah, we warned me of it. Yeah, it's a, it's oh, a no. new streaming service, and apparently. They signed one of their boxes to like this huge mega contract hmm. for exclusivity. So maybe what happens is now it, you know, boxing kind of goes into like the Netflix of things where, you know, you're yeah. going to have different streaming services and they're going to be representing different boxers and things of that nature, for example. You say Canelo was in that uh, yeah, DAZN he, thing, right? So it's like Adam Sandler signing with <laughs> Netflix. Yeah, he just, he just signed like an 11-year deal for like $300 million to be exclusive. No, it was 11 fights, right? Five oh, years. 11 fights? Yes, 11 yes, fight yes. 11 fight deal in the next five years, back. I guess, exclusively for that particular streaming network. So 11 fights, Pearl Alvarez? Yeah. 11 wow. fights, $365 million for this man. <laughs> so, you know, and you've had um, Amanda Serrano, who she's, she's signed up with that service also. She's oh, kind wow. of gone exclusive. I think she has three fights with them. What about her sister, Cindy? Um, Cindy, she just fought not too long ago. She fought um, against Katie Taylor, folks. Katie Taylor. Went, went the distance. Unfortunately, she lost. Um, I don't know if she has signed with anybody. I But, you know, that's speculative. Um, we'll see what happens in the near future anyways, right? Yeah, you she definitely know. could. Absolutely. And then this looks like it's going to be lucrative for a lot of boxers. And can you say that again, Walter, on the, the price you said? The... How much? So Dazen, and this is the streaming service D A Z N, and you can get that on you know iTunes and and Google Play and stuff. Um, and I think they have a, an app for the Apple TV. It's an eleven fight deal for three hundred and sixty five million dollars for wow. Canelo Al Alvarez. It's not bad. The guy is making bank, and it also helps this this streaming service kind of yeah. get up. You know. It's like the face and of it for now. Exactly. You know, it's it's kind of a way for that streaming service to say, hey, look, this is where we are. And they'll probably get more. So, you know, maybe it becomes one of these things where these streaming services almost becomes promotions, right? Basically, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, you have this promotion and they have their stable of fighters. And then maybe you have another streaming service and they have their stable of fighters. So it's interesting to see how all this stuff is is moving forward. In like this new post Netflix Hulu type of world, so where this is new business model, new exactly. MMA type of world. So maybe this is models. Maybe this is how boxing survives. Um, well, not well, I don't think not it survives, but yeah, you know, thrives dead, again, right? This is how it moves forward. You know, instead of just saying, "Okay, well, we're on HBO." No, we're here. We're here. We're here. We're here. If you like this fighter, find us here. If you like this right. fighter, find us here. You got hundred boxing and champions and on broadcast television. You said right, like Fox is looking to right. really expand on their boxing offering. So exactly. that's that could be huge to have it more on broadcast television. Also, yeah, I think I think that's the thing because back when I was growing up, um, you used to have you know the the main events. I think mm -hmm. it was like on Saturday nights and yeah. stuff. You watch on regular Channel network 7. TV. It was, yeah, it was mm -hmm. regular TV. They want to bring that back, and and that's how you fell in love with this stuff. UFC did the same thing. UFC 
UFC has been around for a while, but it didn't really blow up until Ultimate Fighter Season 1. And that was on regular TV, and it featured um, – it was – I forgot the, the main fight. Um, it, darn it, I can't, I can't remember. But that fight was so iconic. And from there, and the, the thing about it is that it was on regular TV. And so a lot of people were able to experience that and view that as opposed to seeing something behind the paywall. And right. that made UFC blow up. So if we come back to that same model where boxing now, instead of behind, you know, a hundred dollar paywall for the pay-per-view, you know, if they bring it back to regular TV where you can get excited about it and you don't have to really go, you know, break the bank to find it, maybe it's 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 a good thing. It brings some excitement back to the sport and it brings new eyes to the sport also. Is this the right uh, the right card? It looked like it was uh, Chuck Liddell versus Randy Couture. Season? No, that they were the coaches of that season. Um, oh, okay. you know, I'm I'm. This sucks. Probably on season twenty seven, so it's not so bad that you <laughs> you're not exactly remembering exactly what it was. It was an iconic fight, though. I, I, I oh, it was those, yeah, that's right. It was those two guys. Um, it, it was it was called one of the best fights of all time. Absolutely, they, right those guys were trading. They were trading punches from the beginning because remember. The, the premise of the ultimate fighter is that you had you had guys oh, was that was Forrest Griffin versus Stephen Bonner. There you go. That's the one. That's the one. And so the premise of the ultimate fighter, especially that first season, was that you had a whole bunch of guys in the house, and you know they were fighting. And at the end, it was like a tournament style show. And at the end, whoever won that match got a guaranteed contract for the UFC. So these that's guys, the same concept with the contender. Exactly. So these guys were busting hump trying to get that. I think about and that. That last fight, from the minute the bell rang, those guys were going at it. It was a fantastic fight, and I you can that. tell. That. Yeah, yeah, you can tell that those guys wanted it, and that opened up eyes for a whole generation of UFC fighters. I mean, UFC fans. They saw that fight and they said, "Wow, this this sport is fantastic. It's exciting. It's it's different." And the <laughs> UFC seasons later, yeah, twenty seven seasons later, <laughs> and UFC wasn't that show based off the contender? It, it might have been. It might have been, or no. one of one of the other. Because that was the same concept. It was the same. It was the same premise. Right. You, know, you had a whole bunch of guys in the house, um, and a lot of it you show you showed the dynamic of the fighters. There's a lot of great unknown fighters, exactly. and they're fighting for that recognition. And it's it's better this way to do it this way because now it's not you're not just looking at a fighter. You're looking at the guy behind right. the, you know, the mask of, of just being a boxer. You're actually seeing their personal relationships, how they interact with other people. That show is actually back, the contender. You bring a lot more more depth, more depth to it. I exactly. When you see the character, and you see the motivations, and you sometimes see how much they friggin' hate each other. Yeah, it actually exactly. sometimes brings a lot to the table. You, you sometimes you know these guys they go into the into the ring and it's a char- it's a character that they're playing because they need to hype up this thing, but. If you see them, the other side of them, you know, it's a very different thing. And, you know, you actually get to know the fighters and you get... It gets very personal. Exactly. You see the struggle mm-hmm. and the hunger in their eyes. Yep. So talking about uh, another blood sport this week, let's talk a little bit about the Marvel Universe and how they're going to set up the future of the MCU. We have a couple of ideas, a couple of places to look at for inspiration. And we have the recent addition of the Fox properties... Fantastic Four and the X Men coming up. Um, 
somehow they have to get introduced into the MCU. So what do you guys think about how that's going to how that's going to work out? You know, we have a little bit of information about how people are suspecting the Fantastic Four might be introduced into the MCU. One of the things that had been noticed in Spider-Man Homecoming is that some mysterious person or group has bought the uh, the Stark Tower now that they've moved Stark uh, or they've moved Avengers headquarters somewhere else. So I don't know. Do you guys think that that may be a good way to introduce the Fantastic Four, or at least their building, into the Marvel Comics universe? I mean, I guess I thought. I mean, I mean, I guess I think that it'd be a great way because what's the name of the Fantastic Four's building? The Baxter Building. building. Mm -hmm. It, It looks very similar, so I could see where they would weave that in. And then I was also reading on the on the on the website for the topic that um, the way they could be introduced is since Wakanda was recently thrown into the mix of world countries that are you know prominent and out there, mm-hmm. maybe they could be the one to like you know be one of those teams that goes in and says hi. So we just want to like you know see what you got. <laughs> so that, in that terms of shows up, hey guys. Yeah, we're really smart scientists too. Can we just hang out here and see some of your technology? I, I mean, it's interesting to me, like how they can even introduce the Fantastic Four. The X Men seems a little bit easier to introduce, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But with the Fantastic Four, you have to kind of start. I mean, this is, I know we know this is what they want to do with uh, the MCU. You have to start exploring the cosmic aspects of the Marvel universe because not only the Fantastic Four, they fight a lot of cosmic beings. Um, Doctor Doom gets involved in a lot of cosmic conflicts, and he's one of their main villains. But like, they get their powers from going into freaking outer space. What happened to the Silver Surfer? Yeah, yeah. he's gonna he's he's tied to Galactus. Uh, I don't know when we're gonna be seeing him. I mean, he's the Herald. I think we'll be seeing Galactus in the next phase of MCU. That's my personal opinion. I think I remember, if you ever guys remember last week, I had a theory that Avengers Four could start hinting at characters like Galactus in the post credit scenes. You could have that as like a credit stinger, or maybe. Captain Marvel, one of those other cosmic Marvel properties, could start to hint at your Galactuses and your other Marvel cosmic characters. Um, But, I mean, it's just, it's interesting how you could introduce the Fantastic Four into the universe at this point, because you figure Mr. Fantastic is such a big character in the Marvel universe, even before um, Reed Richards, even before he became Mr. Fantastic, they were rich and famous for being super smart. So where the heck have they been all this time? Well, you could you could possibly introduce them, and and I I know this is going to be a stretch, but um, if you remember the comic book story World War um, Planet Hulk, Planet Hulk, yes, right. Mm-hmm. Um, Reed World Richards War. was part of the Illuminati, which was the secret group ah. that consisted of Tony Stark, Reed Richards. Doctor Strange. Um, Doctor Strange was in there, Black Panther. And this was kind of like a secret group of superheroes. And they're basically the ones that banished uh, Bruce Banner off of Earth. They they deemed him to be too dangerous in his Hulk iteration to stay on Earth. He was, you know, the Hulk. He, all he wants to do is just smash, right? <laughs> so, you know, maybe that's kind of a way you can kind of put him in there. I mean, like I said, that's a really big stretch, but, you know, he could probably be like one of these shadowy figures that has kind of been behind the scenes trying to help Earth, kind of like the way in Doctor Strange, 
you were introduced to this this group, the Sorcerer Supreme. Mm -hmm. They're the ones that nobody knew anything about, right? But they've been guarding the planet from these supernatural threats. Maybe they kind of do Reed Richards and his group the same way. That would be a really big retcon. Like you said, it's a bit of a yeah, stretch. It is a real big stretch. Yeah. They've always been a very public group. Heck, everybody knows their, their like secret identities. They're kind of like Tony Stark. It's like we know who these characters are. Reed, Sue Richards, and Ben Grimm, and Johnny Storm are all people who have been famous for quite a while. So it would definitely be a huge retcon. But here's, that might not be so bad considering how bad the last few Fantastic Four movies yeah. have been. And here's another way you do it. You you fix everything with the undoing of the Thanos snap. That's also true. You know, all you got to do is just, and I, I think I mentioned this once before, um, a great way of bringing mutants in is that when you undo the snap, all of a sudden, hey, guess what? There's mutants. There's, There's fantastic viewers. It's like all these people that were not here before, and now all of a sudden, because we're undoing reality and shaping a different reality, maybe that's how you introduce the Fox the Fox universe of Marvel into the MCU. There's some balance to that because if you think about it, if you retcon in a sense or reboot the Marvel universe for the next phase, even though it'll probably have some of the same actors, well, it should have a decent amount of like Dr. Strange is going to return and, you know, Spider-Man as Tom Holland will return. Although I like, I, I have said, I do have a slight theory and this is a crazy theory, but I don't think it's necessarily going to come to fruition that since Spider-Man uh, Far From Home starts right after the snap, maybe we'll get to see Miles Morales, maybe not. But if, if you think about it, kind of retconning the whole thing, when you add all these new superheroes, their, their villains are bigger cosmic threats up until Thanos. Thanos was a huge cosmic, is the biggest threat, obviously, for, the, for Phase 3 or for the, for the first 10 years of Marvel. Mm -hmm. um, but if you retcon it, then you have the Fantastic Four, have to introduce a Galactus, right? Because he's one of their biggest villains. Kang the Kang the Conqueror. Kang the Conqueror. Doctor Doom, who's like obtained the power of I, the gods several times. I before. would love to see Doctor Doom in the MCU. Done well, finally, yes. instead of like the guy from uh, Nip Tuck, who was Doctor Doom in the movie, not the most recent one, but the one the first from two years Tim, ago. Tim Story directed movies. Yeah, with Fantastic. <laughs> just Galba is it. Yeah. Fantastic Ooh. Four and then Rise of the Silver Surfer, which was the second one. Um, and then you had the other Fantastic Four movie, which mm -hmm. we'll not talk about. Where, let's just one. not where mention he was, it. So where seen it. Doctor Doom, I think he was a hacker. Really? I knew it's, somehow they ruined him in that it, one. It is the most ridiculous. You know, the less said about that movie, the better. Kind of what, like Jose said, they have, they have, I noticed that they have been introducing more main villains from Thanos. And then we got uh, some spoilers, maybe, maybe not, mm -hmm. that the next Avengers movie might be off, based off Annihilus. Right. So mm -hmm. they could be getting into the more cosmic thing. There's, they're already in the cosmic thing. I think, I think, like, yeah, that's the big reason why also Captain Marvel is going to be one of the next movies to come out. Yeah. And Guardians of the Galaxy are probably going to be pretty big in the next phase, too, because they deal with a lot of those. I mean, all they do is deal with galactic cosmic threats. They actually shifted Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, it was it had a specific date. I think they moved it out of that date. Well, that makes sense. So, since um, James Gunn is no longer attached to direct, and they don't know if he's going to be the screenwriter or not. Right. So that that 
Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 or whatever it's going to be called is in a little bit of flux lately. So, um, you know, they're going to have to heavily bank on Captain Marvel bringing them in to the, the cosmic level. Mm -hmm. um, and in they're, they're also bringing in, in that movie, the, the Skrulls. Yeah, which is... Done, like one of the biggest cosmic threats in all and, of Marvel, and basically. you have the scrolls in the Creed, which they had their galactic war, so that breeds more cosmic stuff for the MCU as well. And right, if the skulls, for those who are not familiar, if I'm not mistaken, they are basically a shape shifting race of aliens that takes over superheroes' bodies and lives basically as them for who knows how long. Basically, introducing the scrolls into the Marvel universe means that Tony Stark might have been a scroll from, like, the beginning. It's yep. totally possible. Any one of those characters could be, like, a mole, basically, from the scrolls. And also, you look at even how they're they're reintroducing some villains. Like, I mean, if there's a reboot, for instance, you say they're, you can see how they're reintroducing Ronan the Accuser. He's going to be the bad guy in Captain Marvel. Maybe he'll come back. Maybe he'll be alive now. Maybe he'll be alive again in the MCU yeah. to be another cosmic threat out there. Maybe he'll change like how powerful he is. There's all kinds of ways they can go with it when it comes to adding them in as sort of uh, in, in sort of the cosmic way, adding the Fantastic Four and adding all those characters. And like you said, with Wakanda being a thing and having all of this great technology, that's something that could kind of be another way, another way for them to interact with the Marvel Universe. Because um. that might be something that can work. Uh, one theory, this is a crazy theory because this is like, it's really impossible that chances are like 99, oh wait, 0.99. <laughs> we like crazy theories here. That's what we live for. 99999% possibly wrong. That's so fine. <laughs> we, we all know about Far From Home. Like you said, you guys said that. Right after the snap, right? Right after the snap. So you can't have Far From Home without Spider-Man unless they actually do that. I'm, I'm not sure, but... Who you, knows? So I think they're going to undo the snap. They're gonna. They're definitely going to undo yeah. it, but I think the thing to focus on is they're probably going to change a lot of stuff yeah. that happened previously. Because, well, for example, one of the things that you see that's changed, that you kind of what you might be getting at, is you see footage of like Ant-Man in the Battle of yeah. New York, in the Battle of New York from the first Avengers. There's like footage of him and all the other old Avengers, like in their old costumes, dressed up and ready to fight whoever is invading. Uh, the Chitari, I believe, were the invaders yep. in the first one. Um, but you have Ant-Man being introduced into that battle. So that's why like your theory and our theory kind of makes sense where that by be rebooting everything and changing everything post-snap. You can. It's almost like what Marvel and, and DC does all the time, right? Where they reboot the universe with some big event. Like this is teaching. the big event, right? Mm -hmm. This is the big event that reboots it. So, but, I don't know. But I think like when they reboot, re, reboot the universe, like this is crazy. Like I said before, but maybe like they can bring a Fantastic Four with them. But it really doesn't make any sense because. How did they get there in the first place? The Fantastic Four. Well, that's the point of messing with reality. A different yeah. timeline. It could be a different timeline. It could be a different alternate universe. Yeah. It, it could be a lot of different things. Or, and something to remember is that the Marvel Cinematic Universe is not the same universe as the Marvel Comics Universe. It's a different universe, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So maybe they could venture into the Marvel Comics Universe 
when they reboot the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I keep doing the snap. I'm sorry. That's just like, to me, that's the moment when everything changed, right? You've, you've killed more than half of the universe. Yeah. You, you should be proud of yourself. <laughs> that's a big change. Thanos has accomplished quite a bit. But there are a lot of other things in there that were to be added to it. Yeah, we have a Black Widow. Well, we can have a discussion about that. (laughs) But we have an official Black Widow movie now. Um, Finally. Yeah, it's going to be directed by Kate Shortland. I do not know who that is. Don't know who she is either. But apparently, she's an Australian filmmaker, and um, she's it's it's going to be one of these things where Marvel again brings an unknown director into a known property and let's see what happens so far they've hit gold with all of these new directors that they've brought in um and maybe she's the next new great director that's going to come out of the mcu that's certainly a possibility i mean i've, I've actually been curious to see a black Widow movie i think it's about time and plus they had that movie with uh, jennifer lawrence last year what was that one called that was basically like Black Widow, the oh, movie. Oh, Red Sparrow? Red Sparrow, I believe is what it was even called. The, yeah, even the director, he, he basically admitted it's it's a Black Widow movie without the Black Widow name. So. <laughs> the movie was awesome, by the way. Red yeah. You saw it? Yeah, oh, yeah, of course. Okay. Love that movie. So it's probably like, that's what a good Black Widow movie could be like. Can't wait for a sequel to come out. That's probably a little bit more R-rated, but that could still be like a good jump-off point for Black Widow <laughs> as a film. I mean, I don't know. We'll see like how Black Widow comes out. And listen, now... now you're going into another different type of genre. You're going into the spy thriller type of genre with Black Widow. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's a way of keeping the MCU fresh by doing these different type of genres within the MCU. The female James Bond, basically. There you go. That's what she becomes. They're keeping, like, the themes various. Like, like more first, so lately, too, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. like, first they, with Thanos, they go to, like, um, like space yeah, space now they're going to spies which that's that's a big change but i think that's actually really good because you know marvel universe like the variety helps because yeah. yeah, you have variety. ant-man that's comedic guardians of galaxy is kind of funny like, um if you, you're watching the same thing over and over again it kind of gets boring after a while yeah you have doctor strange a magician with a Magic red cloak. <laughs> you have Hulk, a radioactive green angry man. A talking raccoon. A talking raccoon. I mean, yeah. MCU definitely has a lot of different crazy ways. Or according to Thor, goes. the rabbit. The rabbit. <laughs> the rabbit. <laughs> this is my friend rabbit. <laughs> but there's, yeah, there's a lot of different things that can get introduced with Black Widow and the different genre. So that's something that can be a great addition to the MCU, I think, as well. Yeah. And um, what it looks like, one of the other things that you that we were looking at there is like how Avengers Four is going to have some characters uh, reintroduced. Also, like we talked about Ant Man, apparently uh, Frank Grillo is going to yeah. be reintroduced as well. So that's going to be like something that can really add a lot. Again, the reintroduction of certain characters, like I think Red Skull is being reintroduced oh, again. That's that. So, so you're dealing with time travel here. You're dealing with the, probably the quantum realm and things like that, where you're going back in time. So, again, we're, we're back to the whole, how are we going to undo what Thanos did? And what are going to be the consequences? And what are going to be the consequences? And the changes. And the sacrifices. That's also true, too, because there's going to be a lot of people that won't return. Um, but another thing that's really going to be interesting, how we're going to get them added into the Marvel Comics universe, is the X-Men. 
Uh, what are your guys' thoughts about getting them introduced into Marvel or into the MCU? Because that's going to be, to me, that's going to be even harder than introducing the Fantastic Four. That's just a couple of characters. It's four characters. The X Men. There's been dozens of X Men over the years, right? So, like, how do we have that sort of an introduction into the Marvel Comics universe? What are you guys' thoughts on that? <laughs> how do they get introduced? Well, I don't know. Guys, if you haven't seen this show, it's really great. Uh, I think it's on, what, FX Legion? Yes. That is that a completely bonkers show. Check it out when you get the chance. Google for Cocoa Puffs. In that show, um, what was it, in season two, they started uh, – Dancing around the notion of a multiverse. Oh, okay. Which yeah, that's a huge way that that kind of ties into what they can do. Yeah, since uh, I'm not I'm not like saying anything like I mean I am saying something drastic, but I don't think it's going to happen. But with Legion being as powerful as he is, Mm -hmm. I I can maybe see how he could be one of those like focal centers for oh I'm I'm powerful and you know. Hey, look, uh, that's new. Well, let's go check it out. <laughs> you can just remake the universe, right? Yeah, that's exactly. how powerful he is. So if Legion's playing around with that, then that's a good way also for them to combine the snap and combine his powers to sort of remake it even more. And, I mean, well, he is a mutant, yeah. right? So it makes sense for him to maybe usher in the introduction of mutants, maybe yeah. – in his particular universe, right, mutants exist. Yeah. In the MCU, they don't really yet. But an easy way, like you said, around that is for him to maybe just create his own new universe where mutants exist. And one thing I will say is that's probably a pretty good theory because, you know, Marvel doesn't really do any of this stuff accidentally. They throw yeah. stuff in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and elsewhere, right, that end up getting revisited. Yeah. So that actually right, might be a really good way to introduce them without getting – too much of a complicated backstory. It kind of is an easy way in. Yeah. But it could work. The only oh the only and the only problem I foresee with that is because uh Hafa actually mentioned this in the last podcast. We have grown very attached to the characters from the movies. Yeah. And from what I've seen from the show so far, it doesn't look like Legion is very intricately tied with the movies. So it's like it's that at that point, it's a weird standoffish point. Are they going to include the movies with this thing, or is it just going to be something else entirely? That's true. Well, a theory that I had is because you know the Marvel Universe tends to draw a lot from the comics or the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Of course, uh, you know, movies like Thor Ragnarok are a good example because that was a little bit of uh, Planet Hulk, right? And yes. a little bit of well, the Thor Ragnarok storyline mm-hmm. kind of merged together to give Hulk a little bit more of a chance, but. One of the things that occurred, I'm not sure how long ago this was, but there was um, an event in the Marvel Universe where, the comics universe, where if I'm not mistaken, Scarlet Witch basically made all mutants just disappear. Ah, uh, yeah. That's the, the House, House of, of M. M. The House of M event. Mm-hmm. Thank you for, yeah. for getting was, the name of that. I was actually going to talk about that. You stole my thunder. But, yeah. <laughs> but it makes sense. Yeah. Because if you take that storyline, and by the way, for those who aren't familiar, what basically happens there is... Uh, well, just to get to the gist of it, like I said, Scarlet Witch basically ends up wiping mutants from reality. Yeah, right? she has a, a mental breakdown because um, I believe she lost her children, children that she had with Quicksilver, mm-hmm. which is a little freaky because they're brother well, and sister. Well, they got retconned also, right? Well, we won't talk about that stuff here. <laughs> so she basically you know? killed all mutants. 
Yeah, yeah she she um she had she a mental break their powers, right? That's no, what it was, she was. she basically said no more mutants. She did her own version of the snap. Yep. <laughs> Instead of the half the universe. Because because Scarlet Witch, um, as opposed to the MCU version, she's extremely powerful in the comics. Right. She can reshape reality, which she did in this this comic book event. She's pretty powerful in the MCU, the cinematic universe as well, because right. she was one of the few people who could stand up to Thanos with her energy. If you yeah. guys remember, at while the end. she was She's, while she was trying yeah. to destroy Vision uh, and, and the Mind Stone, the Mind Stone right? yeah. in his head. Um, but I mean, yeah, really she's more powerful in the comics. Yeah, but I, and that's actually a good point that you bring up because it looks like she is getting built. Like I don't want to stronger, right? Yeah, yeah, it looks like they're really building Scarlet yeah. Witch up for that. They so, are leaning into that. They get yeah, her big. So. She gets her big moments in the movies now, like yeah. right. And what was it in, uh, in Avengers when she when she first came down to battle in Wakanda and um, what, is, what is it? I can't remember her name. Michonne <laughs> from The Walking Dead, uh, the Nigeria. I can't remember the the, oh, the, the she, character's did name. Did she die in Infinity War? Who uh, Scarlet she did. Witch? She yeah. did. But she was she's been gaining like more and more power each time you see her because she was strong enough to like to stand against Thanos. But I'm like saying I said, in the MCU, they, she's dead, right? Yeah, she's KIA. She's KIA. Well, she was she was disappeared in the snap. She was one of the people that so disintegrated dead, into dust. But she can come back. Yeah, you know, most of them probably will. I'm, I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. that she's one of them that probably will because she was she only introduced in of one of the course, most recent yeah. movies. You know, I think that she like Dark Plagueis's daughter. Like, <laughs> she can cheat death. It's the magic of Marvel Comics, man. Could, that she everybody loves reshaping reality in the Marvel Comics universe. And I think that this is their way of kind of cleaning up the storyline, because that's usually why they do it in the comics. Can she bring Mordegoth back? She would. <laughs> 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 yeah, bring back it. That could definitely be a Marvel Comics alternate universe, for sure. We'll talk about that in a, in a future episode. Because there's, there's actually a weird theory. I don't even remember what it was, but there's some sort of like... Um, some sort of uh, educational theory where they talk about how all the different universes from fiction are connected, but that's, that's getting way too into the weeds here. Um, but yeah, like getting back to that, that would be a good introduction, I think, because if Scarlet Witch can do the reverse of that, maybe in, in the MCU, she can create mutants in a mm-hmm. sense. I don't know how you can get to that point. I don't know why she would do it, but there, there could be a way that they could take an inspiration from that storyline and introduce them into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So, I mean, that's a possibility, I think, that that's one way that the X-Men could be introduced. I don't know. Do you guys have any other further thoughts on what, what could possibly two things, be an introduction? Two things, actually. Speaking of a snap, mm-hmm. what if Thanos actually did wipe out the Fantastic Four or the X-Men? Wipe them out from, from, that, from the Marvel Cinematic Universe or didn't wipe them out? I mean, Thanos uh, snapped. But Thanos' snap, what? Like, they did exist already? Because that's where we're having, I guess, a little bit of an issue. Yeah. If if they already existed, where were they? Right? Yeah. And that's certainly possible because there was another thing in Marvel Comics that if, you know, I, I'm not very good at remembering what the storylines were called, to be honest with you, but there was another storyline where it was revealed that mutants were being hidden from the world by Professor X, by his telepathic powers. Mm-hmm. So... That's a possibility. If you're saying that they already existed, you could merge the theory of the sort of Illuminati Fantastic Four existing yep. in the shadows 
you could have the X-Men being hidden from the world because Professor X used his telepathic powers to hide all mutants from the universe. Intentionally? Intentionally. That was yeah. the storyline in the comics. For, like, their survival? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Basically, like, yeah, basically so that people didn't discover them, so that people would never find any reason to fear them, right? Because if they didn't know mutants existed, then they wouldn't persecute them because what the heck's a mutant? Nobody knows what the heck a mutant is. Yeah. So that could be a way where, you, like you said, Elias, they already exist in the Marvel Universe. They were never visible in the Marvel Universe, but now they could be integral in the Marvel Universe in the future because they could be like, hey, we got snapped out of existence. We're pretty pissed off about that. Now we got to go fight somebody and kick some butt as a result. Well, you know, the, the other thing is that they could probably still also exist because if, if we're saying that the MCU is tied to the Marvel TV Universe... Um, and you also have Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is a part of that universe. Mm -hmm. Agents of well, the S.H.I.E.L.D. Shows. and the Netflix shows. But the, the more important thing is that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. introduced Inhumans into this universe. Mm -hmm. And they're supposed to be tied together. But yet, in the MCU, we don't have any, any reference to the Inhumans. In Agents of Shield, oh, yeah. they're all over the place. Well, right. That's that's basically, if I remember correctly, that was the Marvel Cinematic Universe and Disney giving a big middle finger, uh, in a sense, to the X Men because they couldn't have them in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Right. They were like, "Hey, Marvel, let's get they rid actually, of mutants." Yeah, they actually started <laughs> killing off um, the X Men. They made the, it's a theory at least. The, I don't know if that's really true. Yeah, but the Inhuman, uh, the Terror. Terogenesis crystal, mm -hmm. which is the thing that creates Inhumans that releases their latent powers. In the comics, it was fatal to to the mutants. So they were right. they were undergoing this thing where you know, hey, there's more Inhumans now, but the Inhumans, the fact that they're coming to you know they're being awakened is the thing that's killing off the mutants. So that's so, another way that they. Can so there's a, yeah, exactly. There's that's like they're setting way. it up everywhere, right? In the television mm -hmm. universe and everywhere. Did you have a thought, Elias? Um, the second thing, um, when Scarlet Witch, you t you said about how Scarlet Witch was leaning into the House of M. You can tell that she's she's because in the comics, mm -hmm. you said that she was like kind of stressed because her kids were killed. Yeah, her kids were mm -hmm. were killed. So Vision mm -hmm. died. That's one. There you go. She's stressed about the. <laughs> disappearing for one. Yeah. <laughs> she got snapped. She got yeah. snapped out of existence. That and, would be stressful. And that other thing with crossbones, uh, Sokovia. Right, mm -hmm. right. She was. She felt responsible for blowing up the building, basically, because she flung crossbones into the air, and he ended up exploding and killing a few people in that building. Yeah. So that's another one. So, and so her brother, too. I mean, her brother got brother killed yeah, that's in true. Sokovia. No, no, she... That was, uh... Um, yeah, yeah, no. No, the brother died in Sokovia. The crossbones incident was, like, in Africa. Yeah, yeah that's, right, that's right. or something mm -hmm. like yeah. that. That's right. So yeah. That kind of leans into the House of M, but Fantastic Four are mutants, right? No, no, no. 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 Fantastic Four... four well, they got their me. powers from, uh... uh a they're, radiation, they're like the a solar Hulk. wave. They're like the Hulk, kind of. They got yeah. their powers from radiation. So but they, who knows? They could change that, too. If they aren't, the X-Men are Next better mutants. Next better mm -hmm. mutants. She could. If Scarlet she, Witch is supposed, supposed to be a mutant, mutant. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. in the MCU, she's not. At least they haven't said that she is. Because they don't exist technically. Mm -hmm. Remember, if you guys remember, that her powers were supposed to have been gotten from the Tesseract. I think mm -hmm. they got yeah. they got their powers from the Tesseract in the Marvel Cinematic Universe instead of being mutants. But they they changed that all around the comics 
that's not important for this conversation. But <laughs> if he, if they actually do the House of M, they can possibly get be getting rid of the X Men. You know, could you actually yeah. well, introducing them because if you think about it, you actually just came up with true. a good way for that to happen. If they introduce the X Men by making a movie or a couple of movies about House of M. That could be a great way to introduce them into the main Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now, hear me out here because your theory actually makes sense. If you start off the X-Men's introduction into the Marvel Cinematic Universe in an alternate universe, and then you somehow end up going into different realities because of Avengers 4, what if, as a result of this other universe where the X-Men exist and the House of M event happens, and then you have Avengers 4 where they have to go into alternate universes and timelines, what if that's some way there are those two timelines to merge? It's a possibility. Again, well, we're just making up theories here. There was a, there was a comic book event that was very similar to that. Um, it was was it the Secret Wars, the latest one? Yeah, where they renewed the entire universe again. Exactly. <laughs> so in in that one, um, but that's going to be at the end of Phase Four. I think. Yeah, in that one, Reed Richards and Doctor Strange and Doctor Doom, they heard they knew about an event where all the universes were collapsing and would eventually destroy the entire universe. And so what they did is that they grabbed heroes from different from different universes and put them on this almost like a battle world. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? A lot of them they didn't even know what was going on. There was an army of Thors that were that were assigned to make sure that they didn't see what was going on. <laughs> and once once that event ended you had superheroes from different universes existing in one universe. Miles Morales, Miles Morales, was, was and, right? and Spider-Man was uh, was one of the last people to survive. I think right, exactly. Right? So there you go. There's there's another way where you can have all these different alternate universes. You mash them together, and then boom, there's the new MCU Phase Four. Well, we'll see what happens with that. Those are a lot of like really crazy out there theories. I kind of like how Elijah introduced or Elias. Introduced a little bit of a theory there. So, um, on the topic of reality bending news yeah. in the Marvel and um, the Marvel brand, things have been shaking up in Netflix quite a lot recently. Uh, yeah, Iron Fist got canceled on Netflix. No season three is on the on the move. Mm -hmm. Luke Cage canceled on on Netflix. No season three coming. Season four of Daredevil is up in the air as we know it. What is going on? Probably Jessica Jones season season three is coming out, right? And then we don't know about season four with that one either. There's definitely no guarantees for Defenders season two. And Punisher just wrapped the production. Punisher season two, right? So, so those are the, the last ones are Jessica Jones, uh, Punisher, and... That's, that's it. it. That's on the docket right now, that's, right? That's all that we're promised at this point. That's all that exists. But I mean, I mean, I I actually haven't watched a lot of Iron Fist. I think I should say that now. I have not finished the first season. To be fully honest, that is where I completely stopped watching all of the Marvel Netflix shows because I put it this way to a friend of mine that I was watching Iron Fist. Iron Fist is entertainingly, delightfully average, at least the first season to me. Like you're being nice. <laughs> I, I am being nice, but you know what? Like I do like the characters. I think the characters yes. are pretty good. The characters, the <laughs> characters are, are really good. Right. Um, 
I think Danny, the guy who plays Danny Rand is a good actor. Obviously, his martial arts was very like it looks to me like 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 bebop b or b boy dancing moves more than martial arts. Well, if you want to know <laughs> but, the backstory about that, oh, I heard. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but tell tell us a little bit about it on the for the so, podcast. So, I'm I'm sorry. Iron, Iron Fist, Fist right? season mm-hmm. one. Um, the showrunner is known for bringing the show, bringing his shows um, under budget. Mm-hmm. And out quickly, which is pretty obvious when it comes and, to Iron Fist. And it Fist. shows because one. you look at you look at some of the fight scenes. Some of the fight scenes, it's rumored that the choreography was done five minutes before they shot the scene. Right. Which is so Finn Jones is who, who's the character that plays Iron Fist. Um, he really didn't do a lot of martial arts training mm-hmm. prior to the show, and it it, it shows. You yeah. know, and it, that's damning. Especially when you consider that Iron Fist is supposed to be the greatest martial artist <laughs> for the and, entire Marvel and, Cinematic Universe. Exactly. And Colleen <laughs> Wing, who's a fantastic, who actually the the actress um, Jessica Henwick, mm-hmm. she actually better. is yeah. a martial artist. Mm-hmm. So you can see the stark difference when they're both side by side. Um, Iron Fist was not a very good show. I heard season two was better. Season two was actually really, really good, but leagues better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have now you the martial have, arts were better too. Right? Absolutely, so they had time to actually train because he didn't train either. And right? you had you had a showrunner who actually cared about the property. Um, the problem is, is that Iron Fist season one did so poorly. Nobody came back to see season two. Well, I mean, it it got me off the Marvel's Netflix shows entirely, and I started watching it again. Yep. So that's like a, a sort of an indicator of the quality of that show. Just a fun aside, yesterday I started a fun little drinking game. You guys might actually think that this is one that can get you messed up. It did. I, I, I created a drinking game where I would have a little bit of whiskey every time Ward, what is it, the brother, yeah. would sigh. <laughs> and he did it, I think, about 15 times in the episode last night. But <laughs> Oh, boy. I was feeling a little bit, a little bit uh, buzzed yesterday. But, I mean, yeah, that's like a real sad part about Iron Fist. Like, the quality was just so low that nobody came back. And some people stopped coming. But I'm getting back into it now, obviously, because I started watching Daredevil Season 3, which, by the way, is really awesome. I can give you a little impression about that in a minute. But, like, also with Luke Cage getting canceled, I don't know what you guys think about that. Because Luke Cage was definitely a better show from the beginning, Well, I think. I haven't seen Season 2 either again. So Luke Cage Season 1 was kind of polarizing because – the first half of the season was fantastic. Right, with Maharshala Ali, Cottonmouth, Cotton yes. being the main antagonist. And mm-hmm. then mid-show, they killed him off. And <laughs> after that, it was a totally different show. Yeah. Um, season two was great. They they introduced Bushmaster in, in that season. Mm-hmm. And he is a fantastic character, a fantastic villain. And the way they ended season two was such a cliffhanger and it's it really really I'm not gonna get I'm not gonna spoil it for anybody. Okay. Um I'm Good, just gonna I'm keep it really open ended. But the way they ended Luke Cage was so interesting. I'm really bummed out that we're not gonna get another season of Luke Cage because it was just where were they gonna go with this character? And and much the same way Iron Fist. Iron Fist ended season two with such a twist at the very end. Mm-hmm. And it, it was these are two shows that I was actually looking forward to the next season, and now we may not get it. Now there's a possibility that the Netflix, since they own the rights to this character, decide you know what we're ending those two shows and then blending them into a Heroes for Hire, which makes sense. 
but we're not guaranteed that we don't know that. And the way that um, both Mike Coulter and Finn Jones, mm-hmm. they, they, they addressed it on Instagram and Twitter. It kind of leads us to believe that we may not see these characters anymore. Yeah. Those actors as those characters at the very least, because you figure, like we said, just as a brief aside, it's possible that this could be how they're setting up heroes for hire for the new Disney streaming service. But I think it's a, it's actually a sad day because I was actually looking forward at least more so to Luke Cage, not as much <laughs> as not as much Iron Fist, even though there was some some potential there and season two was good. Um, but I mean, I also was excited to see where Daredevil was going to go after this season because I haven't finished it. But like quick impression so far, and a lot of people are saying this is one of the best seasons of all of the Netflix shows so far from what I've seen in reviews online and things like that. What episode are you on? I'm on episode five. So I'm, I've gotten about halfway, um, close to halfway through it. Did you see their hallway fight I scene? I did. I heard um, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. Uh, without getting into too spoilery territory, something that's actually cool about it is that the entire thing is not a fight scene. But also, it really is a one-take, mm-hmm. one-shot scene for 15 minutes from start to finish. That's really, really well done. And all the other aspects they add to it are really, really cool. It happens in episode three, if I'm not mistaken, for anybody who's looking to see the fight scenes, I guess. But, um, I mean, the characters are are being fleshed out a little bit more. I think, I think actually, that one of the things that's interesting to me about this season is that and, you know, it ties into what happened at the end of, of um, Defenders, which no spoilers. But um, it almost seems like a regression for Matt Murdock, for, for Daredevil's character. And it seems that one thing that's great about it is that they're giving a chance for some of the side characters to shine. You guys will see when you start to watch the show a little bit. But my impressions of it so far are it's definitely telling a more interesting story in comparison to the first two seasons, which also told great stories. And of course, Wilson Fisk, Kingpin is back, Mm -hmm. which makes it awesome for me. I love his storyline. I love his character. I love how he's involved in this season. I love how they have him as kind of an anti-hero because from the very beginning, all that he's done for the most part has been for love. So that's kind of like an interesting motivation for the character. Um, But I mean, I've really enjoyed it so far. I guess we'll see what happens now with the cancellation of these shows. I mean, did you you have some thoughts, Meta? It looked like you had something to say about it. Oh, well, um, I mean, based on because me and Walt have only gotten up to what episode two. Mm -hmm. And it's been a really enjoyable season thus far. Mm -hmm. And then just. Uh, at the, at the end of episode two, that 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 that's where it really got crazy, at least for me, because mm-hmm. there was this. There was. I'm not gonna spoil it too much. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There was this scene where something happens, and they get surrounded, and then all of a sudden they're not surrounded. How did this happen? Oh yeah. That, yes. Let's just say the most spoiler we'll get is that a nice character is introduced in that scene. Oh yes. And, and very different from his iteration in the comics, which is actually one of the things that I'll agree. I like it a lot. I like how that character was changed compared to the comics. So, I mean, I guess we'll see where the season progresses. Like I said, I'm about halfway through it. You guys are a couple episodes through it. But so far, I think we'd agree that the quality of season three of Daredevil is pretty high. Most definitely. Right? I mean, do you have anything you want to add to it so far, Elias? What do you think of the season so far? Because it's, like, really interesting. Like, usually superhero superhero shows Mm -hmm. have more action. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's true. Throughout my 
like all the times you've watched yeah. all these different superhero shows, right? Yeah, it's mostly action, but this just gets into like how he it gets into the version where he's not a superhero, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. where he's more he's more like it's kind of like the the guy underneath, right? Yeah. The more like the more well more Matt Murdock than Daredevil. The man underneath the mask. A conflict mm-hmm. that's in this season that that can be a little bit cliche, but in this season, I think it's pretty good for Daredevil. So so far, I think it's been pretty great. And you know, I guess we'll see where it goes with the cancellation of all these shows, with Disney taking over with their own streaming service. It could be a good thing. I think we're pretty much all in agreement here. We hope that if they move these characters over, they they keep the same actors because Mike Coulter and Finn Jones did a great job, as did their supporting characters. Especially Mike Coulter. He, yeah. he really embodies Luke Cage. He's an awesome Luke Cage. I agree. So I guess we'll see where it goes. And Disney, all I got to say is don't mess this up. You got great characters. Marvel or Netflix was setting them up for you. Now that you're taking over, make sure you do right by those characters. That basically concludes our conversation for this week, this week's pizza party. We want to thank all of you people out there in internet land for joining us once again for another episode of Pop Culture Over Pizza. As always, you know, look for us on Twitter, pcoppodcast.com. And from all of us at Pop Culture Over Pizza, I'm Jose saying peace out. Later, people. May the force be with you. Laters. All hail Morgoth, long live Sauron, Bucky Balrog out. This is Metatron tuning out of Angel Radio. I love our little chats. Take care, guys.